0: Hello, hello, hey up, what's up, what's good, Niao! bonjour, welcome to the Any Given Runway show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton-Green, Any Given Runway celebrates exploration with new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting athletic and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Marvelous show for today with an incredible athlete and one of my new favorite athletes, Canadian Derek Druin is our guest. Derek is the reigning Olympic champion in the high jump, having won gold in 2016 and additionally was a world champion in 2015. Previously, Derek won a bronze medal at his first Olympics in 2012 and was a five-time NCAA champion while competing for the Indiana Hoosiers. My conversation with the Canadian athlete was, was remarkable and one that stayed with me because of the deep and profound mindset that he has. He's a thinker, he's incredibly introspective, and he's a reader. So we clicked on that. He's one of my favorite athletes that I've chatted with, and I'm excited to watch his Olympic journey this year. On today's episode, Derek talks about how he handled the Olympic date changes and how he used that extra time to train differently. Derek also chats about the 2016 games and how they differed from his first Olympics and some of his fondest memories. Love me conversation with Derek. He's very charismatic, has an incredible personality. Thrill for you guys to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on Canadian athlete and the reigning Olympic gold medalist in high jump, Derek Druin. And let's learn. Incredible year, incredible year. So as an athlete, it's been quite challenging. So what has the year been like for you?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been, uh, a different year. Um, you know, as an Olympic athlete, we kind of structure our entire lives on these quadrennials. And so the last three years and, you know, for some people eight years or even more have really been culminating in what was supposed to be a really exciting 2020. And, and, you know, obviously, well, it's been a, I don't know whether exciting is the right word, but um, it's been an unusual year, not for the reasons that we were hoping. Um, But I think I've, you know, I've tried to do a good job of of seeing the bright side. For me, I was coming back from a pretty, a couple actually pretty significant injuries. So an extra year of training and an extra year of being healthy, um, you know, weren't the worst things in the world. So that was kind of the silver lining that I was trying to find. And um, you know, right now I feel healthier and stronger than I did a year ago. So leading into a new Olympic year, um, I'm probably sitting a little bit prettier than I was, uh, in December of 2019.
0: Wow. That's interesting to hear. And for some of the athletes I talk to, it's often, this was the first chance they had a break. Like all you've been training, like you said, four years, sometimes eight years. And finally it's like, you can take your foot off the gas and it's like, this is, this is different. So you can rest, you can recuperate. Were there certain aspects of your training that you you were like, this is now I'm going to I'm going to change because I have time like maybe being more flexible or something like that?
1: Uh, I definitely I think would say I um, sort of cultivated some better habits um, because I had a ton of a ton of time, I was getting a lot better at, you know, stretching and doing yoga um, and just kind of overall taking care of my body. Maybe better than I had in the past due to, I don't want to say I had a lack of time, but um, essentially, you know, essentially that that is what the reasoning was. Um, so knowing that I wasn't rushing for anything, that I didn't need to get ready for a competition, that I wasn't trying to, or I didn't have this clock. Counting down toward the Olympics, um, I, you know, I was able to to focus more on on some of those little things. As an older, as an athlete gets older, that they, they become more and more important. So, um, I think in general, I probably cultivated a, a healthier athletic lifestyle for myself.
0: Yeah. So, what are the things that are more challenging now, or or maybe conversely, that you wish you knew when you were younger, as far as different ways to train?
1: Uh, I mean, the things now, or, you know, it's so, so much more important for me to be really warmed up. Mm. Um, now I basically have a routine when I get up in the morning, I, I get my body moving and do, you know, just some, some light sort of stretches and arm rolls and, and, you know, some cat camel type yoga yeah. uh, exercises that I never would have needed to do younger when I was a younger athlete. Um, who knows, maybe it would have increased my longevity in the sport because I am I would say at this point on the, you know, the last few, the last, at least the last few years of my career, definitely. Um, so I don't know, maybe I could tell a younger Derek, you know, take care of those little things. I know you don't feel like you need it right now, but in the long run, you're going to thank yourself. Um, but in general I would say I was a pretty mature young athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy with a lot of the things that I did and, and then a lot of the things that, um, you know, I accomplished obviously in my career, but there's always lessons to be learned. And I'd say that's probably the main one.
0: What would younger Derek have said if older Derek showed up to give him advice? Would he have taken the advice or would he just been like, nah?
1: Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I remember training, there were a few, you know, instances when I was in university, um, whether it was, whether it was because I competed, you know, late into the summer and wasn't ready to start with the rest of the team or coming back from injury where, I was training with you know, some older athletes who were either volunteer assistants or just kind of around the team, and we'd show up for practice at the same time, and I'd be sitting there waiting for them because I was ready to go in like five minutes, and it took them half an hour. And they would always say, you know, wait till you turn 25 or wait till you <laughs> hit whatever age. You're going to need more time to warm up. And, you know, even then I probably scoffed at a little bit and then very quickly was, you know, taking my foot out of my mouth because I was right where they said no. I would be at-
0: you mentioned earlier physically about how you were able to recuperate from this injury with this time off. But how about emotionally? You, like you said, this is four years. It's, it's Road to Tokyo 2020. You've been thinking about it for four years. You're all psyched. 2020 hits. You're ready to rock. And then not only it, it's, it's postponed, it might get canceled and all this the going back and forth. There was this is a roller coaster. How did you handle all that emotionally?
1: Yeah, I so I had actually kind of always had the plan to retire after Tokyo hmm. And so, you know, more so than just having the Olympics postponed, I felt like I had the rest okay. of my life postponed. Yeah. Um, but I, more so, I think, than than deciding 2020 was going to be my last year, I wanted to go to the Olympics again. Mm. So the postponement, I don't think, was all that heartbreaking for me, especially, like I said, I was coming back from an injury. really didn't feel like I was in a great position to, to qualify a year ago. Um, so basically right away I kind of took it for what it was. I knew really early on the Canadian Olympic Committee announced that we wouldn't be sending a team even yeah. before they announced that they'd be postponed. So there were, it was really only a few days where you know we thought the Olympics were going on and we wouldn't be going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I always in the back of my mind always kind of thought they're going to be postponed or there aren't going to be Olympics. It's not just going to be us missing out. So I really didn't feel like I needed I needed to deal with this really tough news or, you know, this heartbreaking crash. I kind of immediately felt like, you know, there's going to be something to train for. Right now, just consider it having – you have more time. Yeah. Probably when you're ready anyway, you have more time. And so I was never really – in this, I wasn't really in this like deep existential crisis or, you know, even state of depression that a lot of athletes were in. I, I pretty quickly learned to see the bright side of it.
0: Well, one bright side is that it's an extra year, an extra year of being the reigning champion. <laughs> <laughs> the reigning, right, reigning champion. Five years now. So uh, take me back to the, the 16 games. I know that the fondest memory is gonna be probably winning the gold, but what were some of your favorite memories from those weeks?
1: I have been to two Olympics um, and both of them, my parents and family were able to go. So that was awesome in both instances. Um, But I think they were just, they were two very different experiences, but I, you know, obviously real, I walked away with the gold medal. It was um, a culmination of an entire lifetime of of dreaming of that day happening. So, you know, that's – it's cliche, but it's obviously a day that I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, but I also won't forget uh, the relationships that I made with uh, with my teammates and the chances I was able to see other sports take place in, in Rio and watch sports that I had never seen before and, and um, you know, make friends with athletes in other sports that I had never really, really interacted with. So, mm. in general, I would say, apart from, you know, just – winning a gold medal. Um, the whole experience of, of Rio was one that I will not soon forget.
0: How'd they differ as far as training and understanding what goes on? Because it's a whirlwind of, it's not just your event. You've got media and everything obligations, kind of knowing how to train, but also secondly, how did it differ as far as enjoying it? Because second time around, maybe you can, maybe you can relax a little bit and enjoy it.
1: I mean, they were really, really end of the spectrum experiences for me. I, I went into the 2012 games having never been on a senior team before. Uh, really, no, nobody on the scene, nobody on the Canadian team really knew who I was. So I was able to go in as a total underdog yeah. without, any, without any attention. Um, whereas I c- kind of quietly thought, I think I, I can realistically be top five. And, you know, if you can be top five, why can't you be on the podium? And so... I, I think I went into 2012, obviously escaping that, that external pressure, but I put a ton of pressure on myself. Um, I, was, I was in the NCAA at the time, and I was really used to being competitive, and, and I was used to winning. Um, and so that was always my expectation, and I think I was really naive to go into the Olympics and think, this is just like an NCAA meet. You can win. You can yeah. win this, um, but it worked out really well in my favor. Obviously, like there were way, way, way better guys in that field, um, and being naive was probably the best thing, the best mindset that I could have had. Um, but I wouldn't say that I enjoyed the experience very well. I don't really have not even that many good memories from London. I don't have that many memories from the Olympics because I was so dialed in,
0: mm-hmm. I was
1: so focused, I was so regimented in what my routine was, trying to replicate what I did at NCAA meets day in and day out, um, that yes, it worked out, and I, you know, I'm obviously happy that I got a medal, but I didn't get the, the Olympic experience that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas going into Rio, I was the defending world champ, I was the defending medalist, there were a lot of external pressures. There was a lot of media attention um, following me, yet I was, a lot more, I was a lot more relaxed going in. I think I, I kind of went into it, I, I went into Rio also with an injury to the point where I didn't know if I was going to be able to step on the track, to be honest. And so when I did get there, I kind of just counted, not counted my blessings, but I was happy to be there um and i kept telling myself you know you've already you've won an olympic medal that was what, basically what your lifetime goal was go out here and have fun mm-hmm. and i know when i'm having fun and when i'm not relaxed good things happen yeah. um and so yes my goal was to medal and my goal was to win but because i was able to kind of tell myself in the back of my head that you know you've done everything no one can take that away from you just relax I enjoyed the experience a whole lot more. I enjoyed the lead up. I wasn't so tunnel vision. I wasn't so regimented. I was able to relax. Um, And then I have, and as a result, I have much fonder memories. I remember being on the track. I remember what was going on around me. I remember cheering on my teammates as they ran around all while I was in the moment competing, you know, and so it's easy for me to say that that was a good decision because it ended up in a great result for me it very, very well, I could have, you know, shat the bed and regretted and been kicking myself for not being as, not being as focused. So, um, but I think overall, I would have looked back and, and thought I had a better experience. I'm happy with, with the experience that I had in
0: Rio. Very cool. What a tremendous answer. You mentioned a few times about your time in university. First thoughts that come to mind when I just say Hoosiers.
1: When I... You know, when I hear the word Hoosiers or when I see someone wearing Indiana gear, which, you know, being in Canada doesn't have a whole a whole lot anymore, yeah. um, just get this, you know, overwhelming sense of of community. But my favorite part about being on an NCAA team, about being at Indiana was this sense of team and not just with the track team, where, you know, with the entire sport or the entire athletic department at Indiana and the entire university as a whole – um there's a real sense of camaraderie that I didn't necessarily know what I was signing up for when I decided to go to the NCAA I got a taste of it when I went on my visit um and I remember I went on my visit to Indiana and when I came home I was obviously acting different maybe showing a a bit of I guess maybe depression when I came back and I remember my mom asking me like what is wrong it's like it's like you've had your heart broken or like, it's like you fell in love and that's really what it was. I fell in love with Indiana when I was there and I was so scared that it wasn't going to work out, that I wasn't going to be able to go there. Wow. Um, you know, obviously it did. And, and my feelings for the school didn't change in, in the five years that I was there. And, and still to this day, I, um, you know, have such such affinity for the people and for the, for the school.
0: Wow. That does sound like love. That's incredible. In addition to high jump, to Kathleen as well what was the mindset going into that and what are your future plans for decathlon?
1: Yeah. So I, I kind of started off in the sport as, um, I don't want to say a decathlete cause it wasn't really a, it wasn't an event that was offered in high school, but I was basically, you know, doing every event, um, that I could any, any way to score points for the team. Um, and so when I went to Indiana, I was recruited to be a decathlete, mm. um, mostly because of the way that the scoring system works at, at conference and national championships. If you can get an athlete to score as many points as possible, they're pretty valuable. Yeah. Athletes. So I wasn't necessarily a good enough high jumper at the time to get a scholarship for high jump. So I went there under the promise of doing many events. Um, and that was really, I think that's really the reason why I fell in love with track and field. It wasn't, like I am passionate about high jump per se. It was, you know, the whole, the athleticism of the sport a, in general. So I kind of got away from that as I was, you know, finishing university and realizing, you know, high jump is really your bread and butter. It's, it's going to be your ticket to the Olympics. Um, but in training, always tried to keep one, you know, toe in the decathlon water. So whether it was doing hurdles at practice or even racing hurdles every once in a while, or throwing shot things like that um it was just a kind of it was just kind of a good way to to keep my body fresh and and, and to stay overall healthy and, and strong and so i kind of felt like as i as i got further and further away from university, my university years i got further and further away from that decathlon base and i started experiencing injuries that i had never really had before and i attributed them to being a single Event athlete, where mm. I do the same, literally the same thing. Yeah, you know, and so my goal in going back to the decathlon was really just to get back to my roots, to get back to feeling strong overall, not just feeling like a strong high jumper. Um, and so I wouldn't say that I, I definitely didn't think that I was going to be an Olympic champion decathlete by any means. My goal was to qualify for a canadian national team at some some sort of level competing in the multi-events um it kind of the injuries have kind of continued i would not attribute them to the decathlon but i haven't really been able to escape that that cycle of injury and so the those decathlon um ambitions haven't really come to fruition but we are still kind of training that way i do think it's a good base for me and we've kind of meet, met that middle ground
0: yeah and plus There's something just cool about being able to say you can do all the different events. I mean that's for sure. (laughs) What are your plans after? I know you've talked about retirement. So what what's what's something you want to do in the future? Yeah, so
1: right now, um I would like to I would like to go back to school. I think that's that's always been a consistent. Um I studied kinesiology in my undergrad. It kind of it wasn't really a like dead end. (laughs) Um, career but kind of open the the doors up for you know I'm laughing
0: I'm laughing because I have a kinesiology degree as well so when I hear dead-end and kinesiology it's kind of like a synonym in some ways so
1: (laughs) yeah so uh, right now I would like to go back to school and study sports psychology I have a lot of teammates and a lot of athletes who will ask me you know how do you deal with pressure how do you deal with this xyz going into a competition and I I've been very vocal about the fact that I've never been in a competition where I looked around and thought I was the best pure athlete out there so I think that especially in a sport like high jump or pole ball being mentally strong is really really important and for whatever reason I consider that one of my strengths Mm -hmm. probably my best strength in the sport and so I've always been kind of interested in that and would like to help other people out um but at the same time I kind of would like to step away from sport so the way that I see myself using using the degree would be more as like a performance psychologist so working with really anybody who performs the way that an not even in the way that an athlete does but performs in some in some aspects so whether it's you know a musician a concert musician or a lawyer before a, a big case or um a surgeon before a, a massive operation anything like that is kind of what what interests me at the moment i i certainly think that sport would be my foot in the door and and i will always be interested in it but i'd rather kind of uh kind of open the door to other to other uh, realms as well
0: very cool very cool well knowing what i know about you i think you'd be Gifted at it, I think it'd be a great, great decision, and a great asset to so many people. I got a feeling that you're a reader, and if so, what are some of your favorite books that you've read this year?
1: I I am a big reader. I, I usually I knew
0: it. I could tell. Well,
1: it's funny. I uh when you asked me to be on the show, I went through some of your episodes to to listen to a few of them to oh, get okay. the feel. I listened to Sarah Pavan's and. Oh, feature. yeah. We,
0: were t- we had a good conversation about books. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot of books that I messaged her immediately after it said, yes, any of your recommendations, please also send my way. Um, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. So I, I typically read a lot on the subway. I usually take the subway to practice every day. Um, but because of COVID I've been kind of trying to avoid public transit. So I drive, <laughs> Yeah, I drive every day now. So in 2020 is probably the least amount that I've read. Mm-hmm in my whole life, but I have still knocked off a few. Um, Not necessarily embarrassed to say, but I do always love the like top choices, the like the easy reads. Um, Like I'm a big fan of like the crazy rich Asian books, but typically when I go to the store, I like to buy a classic. Um, So whether it's like Frankenstein, which is actually one of my favorites. I really like Frankenstein. Wow. A Brave New World is probably one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, I I like some Greek mythology, so I've read like um, the Odyssey. I have, a, I
0: have a new favorite athlete.
1: <laughs> so I, I I I know you asked Sarah this, what her favorite genre is, and I she asked me when I was talking to her immediately afterward, and I said I don't really know if I have a favorite genre. I am just all across the board. I basically just. You know, I I do a lot of pick or choose a book by its cover. Um, And so, yeah, I don't really know. I'm always open to recommendations. I do like to read, obviously, kind of sports psychology or just psychology in general type books. Um, But I do like a lot of easy kind of fiction reads.
0: I just downloaded Frankenstein last week. I haven't started it yet, but I just downloaded Now, if you like classics, do you do 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 Kindle at all?
1: Uh, I usually have a book. I usually okay. like a, a solid book, but some of the classics are free. On That's e-book. what I was
0: about to tell you. Yeah. There's this, it's called the Gutenberg project and they have like 10,000 books. So when I, when I got, I got Frankenstein, I, I picked up, um, gosh, I Moni, uh, like Voltaire and some other ones, but they're all free.
1: Yeah. So, I think I read Frankenstein actually on like eBooks because it was free. Yeah. And like punishment, I probably never would have read that otherwise, uh, but it was free.
0: I like crime and punishment. Have you read Count of Monte Cristo? I have not. No, it's fun. It's an, it's an epic, yeah. but it's it's fun. It's a, it's such like a good. I, I, I recommend that one too. And yeah, Crime and Punishment was good. I just did Anna Karenina, and I tell you to stay away from that one. It's little. It's 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 just too long. It's just a it take. Different. It takes forever for anything to happen. They tell like, oh, it's too much.
1: Have you uh, have you read the Scarlet Letter? Yes. Did you like that? No. I wanted to like it so bad, <laughs> and I. I remember sitting there reading and just like looking up, I would be sitting next to him someone and I'd say, listen to this sentence. It's like, he doesn't want people to read this book. Like so, It's so hard to follow. It's so hard to read. I, I basically just felt like I wanted, I just finished it to finish it. But that was kind of, I used to always go and buy a classic and then yep. buy you know, something easier. And I think that was kind of the last classic that I, I was like, you know what, I'm done with this now. So
0: that was my reaction to finish on a Crenina was I told someone that, I like the idea of saying I've read it better yeah. than actually reading it. And it's kind of the same yeah. as Carl Letter. And it's, it's tough with some of the classics. That it's, that's yeah. why that's why Count of Monte Cristo and Crime and Punishment, I think, stand out because they actually still are enjoyable. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading *Scarlet Letter and the same thing. It's like,
1: ugh. They're
0: too wordy. Yeah. Too wordy, you know?
1: It, it was
0: insane. But I guess when you, don't have, when you didn't have TVs or anything back then, that was...
1: I kept reminding myself that. I was like, I must have liked this because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. And there were only like 10 books.
0: Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like it because I got nothing else. I got to go and do <laughs> <No>, it. Like- <laughs> my book recommendation, the same one that Sarah and I chat about, The Nightingale. Have you read that?
1: No, yeah, but I have it in my notes on my phone.
0: <laughs> Dude, it's so good, man. And I gave it as a gift to all my students.
1: Nice. I was just having a conversation with two separate people this week, actually, about the book that they... Always gift
0: people.
1: Yeah. So obviously that's yours. I didn't have one. I should probably.
0: What were theirs? Uh,
1: my so my chiropractor said he's probably given mine gym to. Oh, okay. Some people. Um, the other one said, "Gosh, I can't remember." He said he was listening to a podcast actually where they were talking about it. Okay. I think Tim Tim Ferriss's podcast. Uh, and I can't remember what his book was, but now it's had me thinking I need to kind of, that's a, I mean, it's a good gift, at least for a lot of people that I am friends with. So need to, need to figure that
0: out. I've made it a rule like through travel, I've stopped buying like little chocolates and things you get at the airport. I've made like no more of that. So I only buy two things for gifts, either food, like you can get someone like chocolate or something or books. And so Nightingale is one for a while. It was this book called The Road. It's by Cormac McCarthy. He's, he's the guy who wrote No Country for Old Men. It's fantastic, but I wouldn't recommend it to people. I, I say that because it's it's dark. It's like apocalyptic.
1: You have to know the person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's very dark. Like it's not one like my mom would like, but it's 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 a fantastic book though. But um Nightingale on the Road, those two. Because you like Athens, and I, I've got a feeling you also like like Greek history and everything, right?
1: Yeah.
0: There's a book called Song of Achilles, which it takes which one takes of my the, say that again?
1: one of my favorite books
0: song of achilles is one of your favorite books
1: i've read it like four times this is (laughs) i was gonna say that and because i like greek mythology so much but have you read the not the sequel but yeah cersei um, yeah yeah so for anyone that i like ask do you like greek mythology and they say kind of but like it's just so hard to read because it is it's hard to read homer for sure those are great books for that it's you're getting the same story but it's written for a 20 first century
0: person i literally I, just bought that i gifted that book that's like my i'm moving on from the nightingale and that's becoming my gifting book i so i can't believe that's so cool i'm glad you read that i was amazed by how much of like a great love story it was i was as i was reading i was like damn this is like poetic and like <laughs> it was yeah, fantastic really
1: well. and i wasn't i don't think i was expecting that the mm-hmm. person who recommended it really didn't give me much of a blowdown of it it was basically yeah. this. I like mythology. So it definitely, yeah, it, it took me off guard. It was fantastic. And I don't think I've recommended it to anybody who didn't love it.
0: Very cool. Cersei was good too. Cersei was good too, love but, them. but, but yeah, Song of Achilles is
1: God, damn, that's yeah. so good.
0: very cool. I'll ask you now how, how people can follow you.
1: Uh, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't tweet hardly at all, but I'm fairly active on Instagram. My handle's uh, Ddruin1010. Those are pretty much the only two social medias that I'm kind of active on. But
0: This has been fantastic. One of my favorite conversations of the year. You are awesome. I will be supporting you every step of the way, man. Anytime you got a book that comes to mind, send it my way, and I'll do the same for you. You're the best, man. This is so cool. I know we'll talk again, but thanks for today, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate
0: right. it. On, a, on, a, on an event day, what's the, what's the routine? What's the, and I want to know what the music in the headphone is. I know you can't necessarily have it down on, on the floor, but as you're getting ready, what's the music you like listening to? Listen to?
1: Uh I every once in a while I'll hear a song that I'm like, ooh, I really I feel really motivated right now and I'll kind of add it to the to the list. Uh usually it's pretty poppy. Um I kinda like most of my warm up drills are kinda like skipping really bouncy and so yeah. I like I can kinda like, you know, move to the beat with. Uh a lot of times I or not a lot of times, but um there are some high jump meets around the world. It's specifically high jump. Uh, indoors, it'll kind of be on like a basketball court. Or outdoors, it kind of looks like a tennis court. So because there's no other distractions going on, they let the athletes pick a song to jump to, and the crowd gets really into it. So anything like that, I, it's always very poppy. Usually I choose a Bruno Mars song. Mm-hmm. Bruno Mars is, pretty, is kind of a staple in my, in my warm-up. Um, but it's kind of ever-changing ever and flowing as well
0: very cool man in what ways today and this isn't this isn't strictly on athletics just in what ways today with this turbulent year in what ways are you better Are you stronger have you evolved
1: (laughs) uh you know it's it's hard it's hard for me to hear that question and not just immediately think of how am i better as an athlete how am i stronger as an athlete yeah Um, i feel like i can now handle adversity better than i could maybe even a year ago i've kind of felt like it was a strength of mine, but it's something that can continue to be harnessed and improved. Um, so there's been a ton thrown at me this year. My training partners and I kind of joke about, we should have taken a video or taken a picture at all the tracks, all the parks that we've worked out of this year, all of the tracks and parks that we've been kicked out of this year, um, and just kind of had to adapt on a daily and weekly basis. Um, so I think just rolling with the punches, uh, and kind of catching myself before I let those negative thoughts sink in or kind of, kind of begin to sulk and think, God, this situation really sucks. Because, you know, there is a bright side. It might be really hard to find at some points. But, um, and you don't need to be over-the-top bubbly and positive every day. But just kind of, for me, it's been a matter of just kind of staying in that neutral zone it's kind of how I compete, not letting myself get too high, not letting myself get too low, which is sometimes tough in years like this year, um, but I think that's something that i've I've definitely improved upon uh, and would say that I'm stronger because of twenty twenty
0: very cool, man, gosh, this has been awesome you're uh, you're tremendous, man, I'm fascinated by you i I think this is also great what you just said is going to help you when you go into that in that psychology realm because now you've got all that these are experiences that you can really relate to for someone visiting toronto it's one of my favorite cities but for someone visiting toronto for the first time what are your recommendations what are the food and drink they got to have also
1: well the food that i recommend to everybody is i always say this is my favorite part about toronto which is so funny because there's you know the cn tower there's Hockey games, there's things yeah. like that to see. But my favorite part of the city is getting beaver tails, mm-hmm. which is kind of like it's a pastry, so it's like a dessert item. Yeah. Uh, it's similar to like an elephant ear at like a U.S. State Fair. Do you know what that is? I don't. So a, a beaver tail is essentially like a it's a basically a donut that's been like spread out okay. to look like a beaver's tail. Okay, um, and it's like loaded. It, they paint or whatever, uh, like butter or oil or something across it. All the good stuff. Sprinkle yeah. it with cinnamon sugar, okay. which is the classic, which is what I always go with. It's essentially like a big, long donut that's really thin, so it's crispy. Okay. Um, but then over the years, they've added a few other options. So you can get like a Nutella or Reese's Pieces or like banana. Um, they've got tons of options, but if it's your first time, I... Definitely recommend just go on, sticking with the classic cinnamon sugar.
0: Well, now you do sound like Sarah, because Sarah, <laughs> when she, she was talking about the food, and she said she was talking about her experiences, and there was one place that made her made her tear up because of food. So in your travels, what has been the city or country that is like, man, you're still daydreaming about, man, I got to go back there and have this?
1: The, I, so one of the, the like top places since I was a child on my travel list was Athens, Greece. huh I was a huge, I mean, I still am a huge Olympic fan. Um, So going to the birthplace of the Olympics was, was huge for me. And so basically my first trip when I was finished school, the first stop was Athens. And I remember every meal being like, man, I wish that lamb had been a bigger part of my diet growing up because, you know, I was getting euros and it's a huge, it is a huge part of Middle Eastern culture. So, I remember having it. It was literally just like a street euro somewhere in Athens. It probably wasn't even like the place that locals tell you to go to. Um, But it was an (laughs) eye-opening experience for me. Um, And I've been back just one other time trying to find the exact same street vendor. But, uh, you know, in general, the food in Greece was just was just (laughs) fantastic.
0: Uh, I actually had lamb for the first time uh, last week. I was in I was in Egypt, and oh, I had I had lamb for the first time. And it's such a common thing, and it's like, it's not? It's weird. That it's not really in North America.
1: I have never had it before.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. What are your your, your main goals for two thousand twenty one? I know that I know that you always associate it with athletically, but it doesn't have to be athletically. But athletic goals, maybe personal goals, and just what do you want from the new year?
1: Well, because I. I would say there's like a 95 plus percent chance that I will be retiring in 2021. Um, so, you know, I, big goals for setting up life afterward, uh, which like I said, will involve going to school. So it's definitely something that I need to need to hone in. Um, I am anticipating a pretty big move, uh, because I don't, I don't plan, I'm in Toronto because I'm training. I don't plan on living in Toronto. Uh, I don't necessarily plan on going to school here. So uh, there should hopefully be a big move in 2021 as well. Uh, So all of those things kind of still need to be honed in and and, uh, really harvested, but uh, they're definitely on the
0: horizon. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation, Derek. What a conversation that was. Derek, I appreciate the book recommendations. I look forward to your Olympic journey this year, but also I look forward to seeing what's next for you post-athletic career. I know you're going to do big things. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. A